The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Already, but not yet. That's a phrase I heard in theology class in Rome, and at first I thought it was just a poor translation. But it turns out it's quite profound. For the kingdom of Christ is already here, but not yet in its fullness. By establishing his church and being operative through his sacraments, the kingdom of Christ is here but we do not experience it in its fullness. In other words, we can experience bits and pieces of the Lord's kingdom, but the best is yet to come. This is at the heart of our readings tonight. This is at the heart of Lent. It's at the heart of our life. In the first reading, God has already blessed Abram, but not yet with a child. By the time we pick up the story, today Abram is already a powerful and wealthy tribal chief, but he does not yet have an heir to his kingdom. The pain of that absence must have been acute, especially because of his name, Abram. It means beloved father. So imagine being an old man without issue, and every time somebody calls your name, it seems like a mockery. So even if we were to flash forward several decades, we see how the promise of the Lord is only fulfilled in seminal form. God promises to make Abram a father of many nations. By the time he dies, he has only one son, Isaac. Already, but not yet. Then God, we hear today, tells Abram to go west, to go to the promised land. But he does not give him the final destination. He doesn't give him an address or GPS coordinate. He just says, pack up and go. And what's remarkable is that Abraham does. The Lord, in a sense, says, I will give you the rest of the details on a need-to-know basis. But do you trust me? And this trust is hard. 
It's so difficult, in fact, that Abram tries to take control of the situation and has a child on his own terms, Ishmael. And we often do very similar things. We believe, but imperfectly. We say we trust, yet we want control. And trusting the Lord is what our responsorial psalm and our second reading were all about as well. St. Paul reminds us that we have to bear our hardships for the gospel. If we want to be holy, we will suffer. As I said on Ash Wednesday, everyone wants to get to heaven. Nobody wants to die to get there. Their Lord Jesus, by his suffering, death, and resurrection, has destroyed the power of death and has transformed suffering. So if we want to follow him to glory, we have to follow him through Calvary. And we have to trust his promises, trust his goodness, and trust in his power to get us through our Calvaries. This is how the trust of Abraham and the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus are connected. Because we have to trust, not just in the promises, but we have to trust God himself. We know the context of Jesus preparing his disciples to get through his own Calvary by showing them a glimpse of his glory. They already trusted the Lord Jesus, but not yet the way they should have. So Jesus will show them a glimpse of his glory, but not the fullness of his kingdom. And often I've heard the question, sometimes I ask myself, why not just show everybody? Why was it just the three? And recently I thought of this in, in, a, in a new way, the answer to that, because from time to time I'll just get overwhelmed or discouraged and I'll start to fantasize about running away to a monastery. So surely they'll take me with a beard like this, I think. <laughs> and recently I was reading from St. Basil the Great. He's the, the father of monasticism in the Eastern Church. And he would discourage his monks from running away to the cave to go be hermits. Which is kind of curious, because often that's considered a higher vocation. And so he said, if you go and live in a cave, Whose feet will you wash? It is through our difficulties, it's through our challenges, and often through one another that we can grow in holiness. So while our relationship with the Lord is personal, it is not individualistic. We are in this together. So our Lord knew that he must return to his heavenly Father. Our Lord knew that his crucifixion and death would rock his friends. He also knew that he would not be there for them in this moment. So he gave this consolation to Peter, James, and John so they could in turn console those who were shocked, bewildered, and despairing. These words of consolation were not just platitudes. They weren't just pious, positive sentiments. It was after the Lord's resurrection, but also in light of this future glory that they were able to console the apostles. So we have real reason to hope. This was entrusted to the inner circle so they can in turn encourage others. So do we really trust those reasons? Like those first disciples, yeah, already, but not yet as we should. Do we let others in to remind us of those reasons for our hope? And do we seek to console others with those assurances of faith? I think at the heart of Lent, at least certainly for me this year, is getting to the heart 
of that trust and trying to surrender control. To give up those things that give me a false sense of control so I can learn to trust the Heavenly Father more profoundly this year. So many of the things that I can fill my life with give me that sense of comfort or security. It can just distract me about thinking from my problems or inner discomforts. So Lent is that time to make ourselves uncomfortable so that we can confront the reality that we need to trust the Lord more profoundly. Sure, we already do, but not yet as we should. So many of our vices are even just daily habits, whether it's binge-watching, scrolling, eating, or drinking, we seek to medicate our unhappiness. And Lent is the time we detox from this self-medication and go to the divine physician for real remedy. Lent is the time where I surrender my desire to do it my way, to try to be in control and simply white-knuckle it through life as if it were up to me in the first place. Lent is the time where we remove these false masks and these false securities and really strive to trust the Father more profoundly. So that being said, I propose concluding with a prayer. You might have heard of it. You can easily find it if you haven't. It's the litany of trust. The first part of the litany, the desired response is, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, from all suspicion of your words and promises, from the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, from refusals and reluctancies in accepting your will, from anxiety about the future, from resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, from restless self-seeking in the present moment, from disbelief in your love and presence, from the fear of being asked to give more than I have, from the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, from the fear of what love demands, from discouragement. The second part of the response is, Jesus, I trust in you, that you are continually holding me, sustaining me, and loving me. Jesus, I trust in you, that your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. That you are with me in my suffering. That my suffering, united with yours, will bear fruit in this life and the next. That you will not leave me orphaned, that you are present in your church. That your plan is better than anything else. That your ways, that you always hear me and in your goodness respond to me. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. That my life is a gift. That you will teach me to trust you that you are my Lord and my God, Jesus, I that I am your beloved one. Jesus, I 
Praised be Jesus Christ, now and forever. 